section one of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter one lieutenant jack rogers at home his brother tom resolves to follow in his wake his old shipmates discussed letter from terence adair descriptive of his family admiral triton pleads tom's cause the admiral's advice to tom leaving home really jack that uniform is excessively becoming do oblige us by standing up as if you were on the quarter-deck of your ship and hailing the main-top i do not remember ever having seen a naval officer above the rank of a midshipman in uniform before do you lucy only once at a twelfth night party at foxica to which you did not go when lady darlington persuaded admiral triton to rig himself out as he called it for our amusement in a naval suit of the time of benbow belonging to a great-grandfather i prefer jack in his uniform i own and he looks infinitely better in it than he does in top-boots and a hunting-coat when he is eclipsed by many of the young farmers who have not two ideas to string together these remarks were made in the presence of jack rogers by his young and pretty sisters mary and lucy soon after his return home from china on his promotion to the rank of lieutenant when one morning he entered the breakfast-room dressed in a brand-new uniform which with inward satisfaction he had put on at their request that he might exhibit it to them it set off to advantage his manly well-knit figure at which no one could look without seeing that he must possess ample strength of limb and muscle an honest kind heart beamed through a somewhat broad very sunburnt countenance his features were good though and his head was well set on a wide pair of shoulders which made him look shorter than he really was not that he could boast of being a man of inches take him for all in all jack rogers was a thoroughly good specimen of the british naval officer of course his sisters admired him what sisters would not but their admiration was surpassed by that of his youngest brother tom who was firmly of opinion that there never had been and never could be anybody like him yet tom was jack in miniature and the portrait of jack taken just before he went to sea was frequently supposed to be that of tom at school tom went to eagle house which though old raleigh had retired to enjoy a well-earned otium cum dignitate in his native cumberland still kept up its ancient character under an able master his great delight was to talk of the sayings and doings of my brother jack and to read extracts from the accounts of the latter which from time to time came home tom's schoolfellows knew almost as much about jack's adventures as those who in subsequent years read them in print and they all agreed that he must be a first-rate chap i should think so indeed said tom in a tone of confidence if you were just to see him once you'd say i am right and my great wonder is that the lords of the admiralty don't make him a post-captain right off at once they couldn't help themselves if they knew him as well as i do thus admiring jack it was natural that tom should have resolved to follow in his footsteps his whole heart was set upon being a sailor and going some day to sea with jack 
he did not talk much about his intentions that was not his way except perhaps to one or two very intimate friends but he had confided his hopes and wishes to admiral triton who had promised to forward them you can't choose a better profession and i'll see about it when the time comes answered the admiral not that the service is what it was but i never hold with those who swear that it's going to ruin and i shall have no fear on that score as long as there are plenty of fine young fellows in it like your brother jack and his friends murray and adair and scores of others and such as you'll turn out tom i'm sure no no i've a notion however that we should have been much the better if those abominable smoky tea-kettles of affairs introduced of late years had never been thought of but one comfort is that they never can be of the slightest possible use as men of war though they may serve to tow ships into action when forts are to be attacked and such like work never do you get appointed to one if you can help it tom they'll spoil our sailors as sailors if they do nothing else this was said before the nemesis in china and other steamers had done good service which even seamen of the old school could not disparage of course tom regarded steamers with the utmost contempt and never spoke of them without quoting the remarks of admiral triton who however in the course of time learnt to modify his opinions tom who had come home for the holidays with secret hopes of not having to return to eagle house sat proudly smiling his assent to their sister's remarks on jack stopping for a while from the vigorous attack on a plate of ham and eggs which he had before been making jack who had taken a chair at the table asked quietly do you really wish to hear me hail the main top mary nodded tom's eyes twinkled his countenance beamed all over with delight jack got up planted his feet firmly on the floor and put his hand to his mouth as if about to hail i had better not he said laughing lest i frighten the household out of their propriety they will think that some wild bull has got into the breakfast-room oh never mind that we want to hear how you do speak on board ship said lucy just a few words you know as you like it said jack and then putting his hand to his mouth he shouted simply maintop there the sound made his sisters jump from their chairs tom clapped his hands with delight and laughed till the tears rolled down his cheeks in rushed the butler and footman and two housemaids with dusters in their hands to ascertain what was the matter sir john came hurrying in from the garden with a look of astonishment on his countenance and her ladyship's own maid was sent down to know if anything had happened i told you so said jack to his sisters i was only speaking as we do sometimes at sea he added turning to the servants the female portion of whom lingered to take an admiring look at their young master sir john gazed with a father's pride at his manly son and then looked at tom about whom he had the evening before received a letter from admiral triton saying that if the boy still wished to go into the navy he should have great pleasure in getting him forthwith appointed to a ship if the service turns him out as fine a fellow as his brother i shall not regret should he choose it thought the baronet i'll talk to him and jack about the matter by and by and ascertain the real bent of the boy's inclinations had tom known what was passing in his father's mind he would speedily have decided the question 
the whole party were soon assembled at breakfast that pleasantest and most sociable of meals in an english country-house besides the members of the family already introduced there was lady rogers fair comely gentle-mannered and kind-hearted paul the eldest son studying the law that he might take the better care of his paternal estates and lastly sydney a captain in the guards at home on leave then there were several guests county neighbours who had come for a couple of nights a brother officer of sydney's and a schoolfellow of lucy's jack cast an appreciating glance over the breakfast-table with its plates of attractive little rolls its racks of thin crisp toast its small pats of butter swimming amid ice and elegantly designed bowls of crystal its eggs under snow-white napkins its covered dishes containing muffins or sausages or other minute delicacies its hissing urn and cream and milk jugs and tea set at one end and its coffee set at the other presided over by two sweet-looking girls and then he smilingly looked over his shoulder at the sideboard on which among various comestibles appeared a round of beef another brawn a huge ham and a venison pasty who that has been long a wanderer from home has not gone back in memory to such a scene as now greeted jack's eyes especially when hunger has been gnawing or provender course jack often had and though he had never grumbled at privations or hardships he was notwithstanding all the more ready to do ample justice to the viands spread out before him he showed this when after having helped several of the party from the sideboard he returned with his own well-loaded plate to the table the guardsman watched him with astonishment and even in his brother the barrister thought that jack had got an enormous appetite jack who was hungry saw no reason why he should not eat till he was satisfied and had laid in a store of food to last him till the seven o'clock dinner for luncheon he eschewed as effeminate and an unnecessary interruption to the business of the day before breakfast was concluded the post-bag was brought in opened by sir john and its contents distributed an official-looking letter addressed to jack attracted universal attention who is it from asked mary anxiously about your prize-money jack inquired his mother you are not yet again appointed to a ship i hope my dear boy i am though exclaimed jack exultingly for the moment not thinking of his mother's feelings and second of a fine new thirty-six-gun frigate the plantagenet commanded by my old friend hemming couldn't wish for anything better where there's work to be done he is sure to be sent but you will not have to go away at once dear jack i trust cried lucy who loved her sailor brother dearly tom said nothing and it might have been difficult to decide whether he was about to cry or laugh he evidently felt as much interested in the announcement as jack himself faith they do work you hard observed his guardsman brother if the purchase system was allowed in your service i suspect that buyers would be rare i am very glad it doesn't for now if a hard-working fellow gets his foot on the rat-lines he has a chance of climbing upwards answered jack 
however as the plantagenet has only just been commissioned i shall be able to enjoy the civilizing influences of home for a short time longer in truth i am almost ashamed at being pleased with the thoughts of going off again to sea but after having knocked about all one's life as a midshipman it is satisfactory to feel that one is an officer in reality with a cabin of one's own of course my boy much more natural than to wish to be dangling after your sisters or any other of the petticoat tribe who might take it into their heads to patronize you said sir john glancing with all a father's pride at his gallant son to what station are you to be sent as far as i can discover that remains as yet in the mysterious depths of my lord's commissioner's minds answered jack glancing over some other letters hemming has an idea that it may be to the west indies at least such is the opinion of the portsmouth tailors who have generally more correct information on these matters than any one else just now when the world is so peaceably disposed it is not of much consequence where we go and as i have never been in those seas i would rather be sent there than anywhere else i trust that it will not be to the west indies my dear boy said lady rogers i have read such sad accounts of the dreadful yellow fever which kills so many people and of those terrible hurricanes which send so many ships to the bottom and devastate whole islands whenever they appear that i tremble at the thoughts of your going there pray don't let such an idea trouble you mother answered jack the yellow fever only comes once in a way and hurricanes appear even less frequently so that we may hope to escape both one and the other even if we do go there i have no wish however to leave home in a hurry and should be glad to remain long enough to receive murray and adair whom i invited to come here but i am afraid when they hear of my appointment that they will write to put off their visit till another time which may never arrive it is not likely that we shall be at home together again they are capital fellows you remember them lucy when we were all on shore after our first trip to sea and they came to call on us in london and afterwards adair went down with us for a few days into the country yes indeed mr adair i suppose i must now call him was i remember a terrible pickle while mr murray appeared to be a wonderfully sedate taciturn young scotchman a pattern of correctness and propriety said lucy maybe but as noble and brave a fellow as ever breathed exclaimed jack warmly i should like to know what opinion you would form of him now i must write by to-day's post and beg him to put off other engagements if he can and come to us at once and that terrible pickle as lucy calls him your irish friend mr adair are we to have the honour of renewing our acquaintance with him before you go away asked mary i must protest against having him here unless you are present to restrain his exuberant spirits and the various eccentricities in which he may take it into his head to indulge oh patty adair is as gentle as a pet lamb if you only manage him properly answered jack laughing those various eccentricities are merely his little frolicsome ways which can be restrained by silken cords there isn't a quieter fellow breathing in the society of grown-up young ladies such as you now are 
remember you were schoolgirls when you saw him last and he possibly did not think it necessary to treat you with the respect he now would he must indeed be much altered then observed lucy he had then a curious fancy for standing on his head jumping out of windows and climbing in at them too dressing up the dogs and cats in costume letting off squibs under horses noses putting gunpowder into candles etc while his tongue kept up a continued rattle from morning till night avast there sister cried jack interrupting her i beg your pardon you have made me speak like a sailor on the stage i assure you that patty would not dream of committing any of the atrocities you enumerate on the contrary if you ask him what is the chief drawback to his pleasure in society he will tell you that it is an overpowering bashfulness which prevents him from expressing himself with the fluency he desires and that his great wish when mixing in society is to receive sympathy and gentle encouragement to enable him to feel at his ease from what i recollect of your friend mr adair i should have thought it difficult to find a young man more at his ease in any society in which he may be thrown observed lady rogers who was somewhat matter-of-fact i beg therefore my dear jack that you will not persuade your sisters to give him any of that sympathy and gentle encouragement he wishes for or i do not know where he will stop short depend on me mother i will be as discreet as a judge said jack who had thus succeeded as he desired in turning the thoughts of lady rogers and his sisters from the yellow fever and hurricanes of the west indies and the conversation for the remainder of breakfast-time became general he wrote immediately to his two old messmates begging them to come at once and telling them of his appointment to the plantagenet much to his regret and possibly to that of his sisters who were curious to see into what sort of persons the young midshipmen had grown they could neither of them immediately avail themselves of his invitation they congratulated him on his good luck and said that as their friends were exerting their interest to get them afloat it was possible that they might ere long meet again though as they were of the same standing in the service they could not hope all to be appointed to one ship alec murray wrote from scotland he had taken under his wing a young orphan cousin archie gordon who longed to go to sea alec said that his great wish was to have the lad with him should he get a ship if not he added i shall be thoroughly satisfied to have him with either you or adair as i am sure that you will both stand his friend in case of need and keep an eye on him at all times of course i will said jack to himself murray's friends must always be my friends and those he cares for i must care for however i hope that he will not be allowed to rust long on shore little chance of it when once he has made himself known adair was in ireland things are not quite so bad as i expected to find them in the halls of my ancestors he wrote although the estate with its thousands of acres of forest and bog was knocked down as i told you the old castle of ballymacree with a few dirty acres surrounding it was bought back again and still serves as a residence for my father and mother and the best part of a score of my brothers and sisters and the wives and husbands and children of the elder ones a pretty large party we make you may fancy i felt myself quite lost at first among them all 
and the noise and confusion which prevailed after the quiet and regularity of a man-of-war quite confounded me however i have got accustomed to it now and can join heartily in the fun and frolic which goes on from morning till night and considering my bashful and retiring disposition this will show you that i feel myself at home and perfectly happy i said so exclaimed jack triumphantly showing the letter to his sisters i told you what a quiet sedate fellow terence has become and here is proof of it let us see what more he says jack read on i confess however that the sooner i am away and afloat again the better for the rest of the family how they all manage to exist is to me a puzzle to be sure there are fish in the streams and neighbouring lakes and game in abundance which we retain the right of shooting and sheep on the hills which as my father does not attempt any new-fangled plans for improving the condition of the people are allowed to exist and there are praties in the fields and fruit and vegetables in the garden but there is a scarcity of flour and groceries and instead of the claret which in the good old days flowed freely at table we are reduced to drink whisky of which the excise has not always had an opportunity of taking due cognizance my father does not quite see the matter in the light i do and was inclined to be offended when i ordered down a cask of the creature from dublin as a salve to my conscience and a few dozen of claret as a remembrance of days gone by but as the latter went in about as many evenings we shall have to stick to the whisky in future however if the household's together till the plantagenet is paid off i can promise you plenty of amusement of one sort or another and the enjoyment of magnificent scenery if you my dear jack will pay a visit to ballymacree you may depend too on as hearty a welcome as i am sure i should have received by your family had i been able to avail myself of your invitation to be sure we muster somewhat stronger than you do i suspect and might possibly exhibit what with your sedate english ideas you would consider an exuberance of spirits and i am almost afraid that you would think my five fair young sisters rather hoydenish young ladies compared to your own one of them kathleen is looking over my shoulder and exclaims arrah now terence don't be after saying that same or lieutenant rogers will be thinking us a set of wild irish girls with no more civilization than a family of gipsies but i tell her i won't scratch out what i have written but i'll add that she's not the ugliest of the lot so dear jack when you do come you can form your own opinion i only wish that i had the chance of making some prize money for their sakes by the by the eldest of them nora who at sixteen married gerald desmond has got a son called after his father who has taken it into his head to go to sea and as nothing i can say will make him alter his mind i suppose he must have his way i have written to our cousin lord derrynane and asked him to try and get gerald appointed to the plantagenet as i should like him to be under hemming and you he is a broth of a boy as we say here and i know for my sake jack that you will look after him they say that he is very like me which won't be in his disfavour in your eyes though i don't think i ever was such a wild youngster as he is not that there's a grain of harm in him 
mind that and he'll soon get tamed down in the navy i don't think i ever wrote so long a letter in my life and so is it's high time to bring it to an end farewell jack till we meet and may that be soon is the sincere wish of yours ever faithful and true terence adair of course i will look after his nephew as i would my own brother i'll write and tell him so though he knows it exclaimed jack and now lucy what do you think of my old shipmate i cannot exactly say that i admire the style of his epistle but i have no doubt that he is as kind-hearted and brave as you describe him answered lucy i don't mean to say that he is much of a letter-writer said jack but at all events he writes as he feels and speaks in the belief that no eye but mine would read what he had written his mind is like a glass it can be seen through at a glance and he has no idea of concealing a single thought from those he trusts though he is close enough with the world in general and i can tell you that he is as true as steel and as brave and high-spirited as he is kind-hearted and generous a perfect hero of romance observed lucy laughing i am really sorry that he is not coming here to enable us to judge of him fairly possibly lucy thought more about lieutenant adair than she chose to acknowledge she could not however help reflecting that her mamma would look upon an irish half-pay naval lieutenant with a host of penniless brothers and sisters in no very favourable light should he come in the character of a suitor so that after all it was just as well he could not accept jack's invitation jack made the most of his time while he remained at halliburton hall winning the good will of everybody in the neighbourhood he laughed and talked and danced with the fairer portion in the most impartial manner young and old pretty and plain all came in for a due share of his attentions his sisters were quite vexed with him for not falling in love with one of three or four of their especial friends they had a preference for a julia gifford but should jack fail to lose his heart to julia or julia decline bestowing hers on him there were at least three others of almost equal attractions and perfections either of whom they could love as a sister-in-law and it would be so delightful while jack was away to have some one to whom they might talk about him and to whom he would write such delightful letters which they of course would have the privilege of reading then some day when he was a commander or post-captain he would come home and marry and settle down in a pretty little cottage near them and take to gardening as many naval officers do and be so happy one day they delicately broached the subject to jack he burst into a hearty laugh i fall in love with julia gifford he exclaimed my dear girls what a miserable fate you are suggesting for your friend suppose she were to engage herself to me away i go for three or four years back for two months and off again for a cruise of like duration as the first in the meantime she meets half a dozen more likely fellows than i am as far as money is concerned at all events but cannot encourage them on account of her fatal engagement to me and perhaps after all i get knocked on the head and never come home at all while the best years of her youth have gone by no no girls young naval officers who intend to follow up their profession have no business to marry that's my opinion and i intend to act on it 
jack's sisters were disappointed for they saw that he was in earnest and had sound sense on his side till they were not inclined to give in then why were you so anxious to get your two brother officers to come here asked lucy with considerable naivete phew was that running in your head missy cried jack there's no use denying the fact what that fact was jack did not say lucy blushed and said no more about julia gifford to her hard-hearted brother jack went on as usual making himself agreeable to the best of his power and no one would have suspected who saw them together that the pretty julia had been suggested to him as his future wife least of all the young lady herself he and every one of the family had soon another matter to engage their attention admiral triton arrived tom on seeing him could scarcely conceal his agitation the crisis of his fate as he believed had arrived the admiral was diplomatic however not knowing how sir john or at all events lady rogers would receive his proposal to send off another of their sons as an offering to neptune he and tom had a long talk first in private tom acknowledged that he had serious thoughts of stowing himself away in jack's chest not to come out till the ship was well at sea when he could not be landed or failing that plan to run off and enter as a powder monkey or cabin boy under a feigned name go he would he had determined in some way or other for if not he should certainly fall into a decline or at all events pine away till he was fit for nothing as the admiral looked at his sturdy figure and rosy cheeks he burst into a fit of laughter i don't fear any such result even should you meet with a refusal tom he observed wishing to try him a little further oh admiral triton you don't think that they would wish to make a parson or a lawyer of me surely exclaimed tom in a tone of alarm i cannot say honestly that i consider you cut out exactly for either profession though i have no doubt you would do your duty should you be induced to adopt one or the other was the answer however i will speak to your father and mother and if they give me leave i will see what can be done for you at the admiralty and should there be a vacancy get you appointed to jack's ship tom thanked the admiral from the very bottom of his young heart though he felt a qualm at the thoughts of the sorrow he should cause his mother even should she consent to part with him her youngest born it did not it must be confessed last very long and he looked forward anxiously to the result of the admiral's application on his behalf admiral triton waited till after dinner when the party were assembled in the drawing-room to broach the subject a very short conversation with sir john showed him that there would be no strong opposition on his part and he accordingly stumped over to lady rogers by whose side he seated himself on the sofa sticking out his timber toe and commencing with a warm eulogy on jack a right gallant fellow is that son of yours i knew from the first that he would turn out well has fully equalled my expectations had the true spirit of a sailor as a boy 
we want a succession of such in the service had i a dozen suits i would send them all to sea that is to say if they wished to go naval men generally don't think as i do perhaps they fancy that the country doesn't appreciate their services and therefore won't appreciate their sons and so look out for berths on shore for them but it's possible lady rogers that they overestimate themselves the case is very different with jack he is as modest as a maiden of sixteen and yet as bold and daring as a lion a first-rate officer he's sure to get on he'll be a commander in three or four years and be a post-captain not long after now there's your boy tom just such another lad as jack was sure to rise in the service and yet he'd be thrown away in any other profession if you send him to oxford or cambridge he'd expend all his energies in boat racing or steeple-chasing and cricket very good things in their way but bringing no result whereas the same expenditure of energy in the navy would ensure him honour and promotion and depend on it he'll get on just as well as jack but do you think admiral that tom really wishes to go to sea asked lady rogers in a slightly trembling voice no doubt about it determined as a young fellow can be with yours and his father's permission answered the admiral and he gave an account of his conversation with tom assuring her ladyship that sir john had no objection provided she would consent lady rogers called up tom who had been watching her and the admiral from a distant part of the room guessing what was going forward with genuine feeling he threw his arms round his mother's neck and while with tears in his eyes he confessed that he had set his heart on going to sea he told her how very sorry he felt at wishing to leave her the news does not come upon me unexpectedly my dear boy she answered holding his hand and looking with all a mother's love into his honest face i have long suspected that you wished to go to sea but as you did not say so positively i thought perhaps that you might change your mind however as admiral triton assures me that you are cut out for a sailor and that he can answer for your becoming as good an officer as your brother jack is said to be if your father father gives his consent i will not withhold mine thank you mother thank you cried tom again throwing his arms round her neck when something seemed to be choking him and he could say no more he has the right stuff in him never fear never fear lady rogers said the admiral nodding his head approvingly behind tom's back he'll do the rest of the evening was spent in discussing several important points connected with tom's outfit jack being called into the consultation admiral triton confessed that not expecting a refusal he had already made all arrangements at the admiralty for tom to join the plantagenet with jack and tom his ardent hopes realized went to bed to dream of his dashing frigate of howe nelson and collingwood of the countless adventures in which he expected to engage and of the heroic exploits he had determined to perform 
tom got up the next morning feeling two inches taller and walked about all day with the full consciousness that he was no longer a schoolboy but a midshipman in the royal navy with the right to demand due respect from all civilians indeed the female portion of the establishment with whom he was a monstrous favourite were perfectly ready to humour him to his heart's content he had been the last baby in the family and it was only a wonder that he had escaped being utterly spoiled his manners did not escape the notice of the admiral who highly amused called him to take a turn in the grounds a little advice from an old salt who has seen no small amount of service will do you no harm my boy he began after they had walked some way talking of various matters you cannot steer a straight course either on shore or afloat without a definite object to guide you let yours be duty never mind how disagreeable or how arduous or difficult it may seem do that which you believe you ought to do strictly obey the orders you receive never neglect an opportunity of doing the right thing or of gaining professional knowledge and never be tempted to do the wrong one every officer remember and man too from the commander-in-chief downwards is bound to act to the best of his abilities for the good of the service whatever you are ordered to do or however you may be treated by those above you believe that they are actuated by that principle if you remember that whatever you may be doomed to bear is for the good of the service you will be able to endure an immense amount of what you may think hardship without grumbling you will find a good many persons above you on board ship whom you will be bound to obey your brother jack among them be as zealous and as ready in obeying him as any one else never take offence from superiors or equals it is a sign of a weak mind when spoken to or even abused whether you are in the right or the wrong don't answer again and don't be ashamed of expressing regret when anything has gone wrong do your best on all occasions more you cannot do there tom i have given you a pretty long lecture log it down in your memory and act upon it i repeat let duty be your guiding star do your best for the good of the service and don't grumble at your superiors or abuse your inferiors these are golden rules well worth remembering my boy thank you very much admiral trite i will try and not forget them answered tom by the bye you will not find midshipmen of much count on board ship continued the admiral with a twinkle in his eye watching to see how tom took his remark not only are they inferior in rank to all the commissioned officers but to the three warrant officers who have risen from before the mast and even the petty officers and men are inclined to treat them as nurses do the babies under their charge so you must not be disappointed if you do not meet with the respect you may possibly expect from those whom you may look upon as your inferiors though they'll obey you readily when you repeat the orders you have received from your superiors 
i understand admiral said tom wincing a little at the remark about the babies though he laughed as he spoke but i suppose if i set to work to learn my duty and get quickly out of petticoats i shall be sent away in charge of boats as jack used to be and have opportunities of proving that i am worth something well said tom it won't be long before you are breached depend on that said the admiral laughing and patting him on the back just don't mind asking for information from those able to afford it and you will soon become a sailor the last days at home went rapidly by tom enjoyed the satisfaction shared in by the whole household of appearing in his new uniform an old one of jack's which exactly fitted him having been sent to selby the portsmouth tailor as a pattern with no little pride also he buckled on a sword to his side dirks having by that time gone out of fashion dreading the admiral's quizzing glances he took the opportunity of his absence to exhibit himself again putting on plain clothes before his return and only at his mother's request did he venture to resume his uniform at dinner not again for many a day to appear in mufti admiral triton insisted on accompanying jack and tom to portsmouth where he was always glad of an excuse for going it was a consolation to lady rogers to see tom go off under jack's wing as she knew that as far as one human being can take care of another jack would watch over tom jack left halliburton without having by word or look confessed an attachment even if he felt it for julia gifford or for any other young lady among his sister's dear friends he and tom were much missed and certainly julia gifford who came to stay there took considerable interest in listening to his sister's accounts of jack's numerous exploits so at least these young ladies fancied End of section one